Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus loves baptism. He loves it quite a lot. And that he took over in his public ministry right as John the Baptist was baptizing. And then he goes on and he and his disciples baptize. And then when the Pharisee comes to ask him in the middle of the night, this Nicodemus, Jesus talks to him about baptism. And when he departs this earth to go to the right hand of the Father in authority over all things, ruling and reigning, he tells to his disciples this word. Go and baptize all nations in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you to the very end of the age. Baptism. It's important to the Son of God, therefore it is important to us. But who can understand it? This kind of reminds me of that epistle reading which you heard just moments ago from Romans 11. Brethren, oh the depths of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. But there's just that little bit of us, every single one of us, that wants it explained, God. Explain it all the way because I can't grasp it. You've told me it's past finding out, but I still want to know. It's like that curiosity that killed the cat. Because what happens when you search the unsearchable judgments of God? You can go there. You can try to speculate how it's possible. You can try and understand it to the limits of human reason. You can study everybody that has ever existed. And if you try to search the unsearchable judgments of God, you will be disappointed. Perhaps you will drive yourself to utter despair. Trying to reason it all out, figure it all out. But Jesus says this. That the one who is born of water and the spirit will see the kingdom of God. Doesn't have to understand it. But faith sees beyond what the eyes can see. Because faith beholds the promise of God. This morning as I baptized that dear little Gwendolyn. Was one of my favorite moments in my church career as a pastor. Every time I baptize a little child. Because I see how weak and frail and helpless they are. They have nothing. They have their parents that can protect them against some things. But a parent cannot rescue them from the devil's clasp on their soul. A parent cannot rescue their child from sin and the wages of sin, which is death. And so where do they go? Parents bring them to the font. Not because it's just water. Outward sign of an inward change. No, there is something divine. The promise of God is bestowed upon that child. It's not just that there is faith existing here. No, God comes and imparts faith 
to that child and brings to them the purging out of sin as like that coal that touched the lips of Isaiah. When the water and the word, that is the word of God, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. When that meets this child's head, they are purged of sin. They are given faith to receive the blessed gift of Christ's forgiveness. They are brought in to the inheritance that they could not work for. That no amount of their doings in life could produce a speck of what God has in stored or has stored up for them in Jesus. None of their works could ever merit any part of their salvation. They are wholly entrusted into the hands of the Lord. We like to use the word commend. We commend them into the hands of the Lord. And that's what Jesse and Alexis did this morning. They commended her into the hands of Christ. Because in the Father's hand there is salvation from which no one can take you. She was given a gift that no one could steal from her this morning. The devil has no power against it. The devil cannot snatch her from the hands of the Father. She was given the gift of the Holy Spirit and made a new man. You see, this is what Nicodemus could not grasp. He wanted to find out. So he asks a stupid question. He says, how can an old man crawl back into the womb of his mother and be born again? I mean, really, it's insulting. You come to the teacher that you revere, that you think is a man from God, and you ask him how to crawl back into your mother's womb? You're better than that. But he was asking from the perspective of the flesh. He was still walking in the flesh. And the Lord was trying to teach him something that was yet earthly. For there is no baptism necessary in heaven. He was teaching him an earthly reality. That to be joined to the holy Christian church here on earth. To see the kingdom of God. To receive the Christ that is the anointed one who would remove your sins. You must be born of water and the spirit. And anyone who is not will not receive these things will not believe them, will remain unregenerate. But God, in his mercy, gives this gift freely. He says, unless you become like a child, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. But you say, I don't understand. How? Well, I thank God for verses like that of David in the psalm. In Psalm 22, he says, But you are he who took me out of the womb. You made me trust while on my mother's breast. It isn't we who start it, who start trusting in God. It's God who makes us to start trusting in him by imparting to us the gift of faith. That's what Jesus does for us. That is what the Holy Spirit does for us. That is what the Father does for us. God is united in this mission to redeem his people, 
to bring them back. And he accomplishes that in the gift of Christ, who like the serpent was lifted up on the cross so that any one of us, all of us who have been poisoned by sin and who constantly are tempted to return to that well of poison and drink from it might be rescued, might look to Jesus and find the author and perfecter of our faith, the one who brings to us the forgiveness of sins, who wipes our slate clean, who takes it all the way, all guilt, all shame, and who reminds us then of who we are, that we are the baptized, that we have done nothing to merit Christ's gift of salvation, and yet he has pronounced it upon us, that we are the justified ones, But there will be many people that will be surprised in the day of the resurrection who have lived this life and said, I am baptized. But yet they are nominal Christians. They don't love Jesus. You heard it said, Jesus to his disciples on the day of Pentecost, we we read that text from John 14. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. But it's kind of like you fall off the horse on one side or the other in many ways. Nicodemus wanted to turn to his works. And so he said, look at me, I'm keeping the law. But if you're right, Christ, and I must be born of water and the spirit, then I haven't even begun to obtain the righteousness that you require. But on the other side of the horse, it's this. I'm baptized, and so I don't have to obey the commandments. I don't have to do the will of God, and I can live as I please. But that's not true either. Not all who are baptized will be saved. Gwendolyn is going to be brought up in the Christian faith. The faith which God gave her today needs to be nourished and fed, strengthened, by the reading of God's word, by the attendance here in the holy community to receive the sacraments. She needs that. If she is not raised up in the faith, that will surely wither and die. She will have despised the blessings given to her in her baptism, which many, many Christians are living in right now. They think they are Christians, but they are Christian in name only. They have fallen away from the faith and the faith which they had once had has withered and died. They are for all intents and purposes unbelievers. Until we start recognizing that, then we really don't have a way to teach. We have to recognize that there are those that have been baptized, confirmed maybe even in this church, that are no longer attending, no longer members, no longer loving God's word. And it's a temptation even for us to go back and instead of waking up in the morning and drowning the old Adam, which was drowned in our holy baptism, instead letting him free, letting him serve the flesh, letting him worship Satan. Because we human beings love to play God. We love to think that there is time for us and we can always repent another day. 
Martin Chemnitz writes about how we should consider this. Consider those who are not longing for repentance. He says this, For there can be no true repentance in those who, persuaded of their own holiness, dream that they are without sin, or who disregard, minimize, excuse, cloak, and defend their sins, despise or ridicule the divine threats, do not care about the wrath of God, are not moved by his judgment and displeasure, and therefore persevere and continue in sins against their conscience, delight in sin, and seek and seize occasions for sinning and whatever they intentionally heap up with the fear of God in them. I say there can be no true repentance. Neither does he who either does not know or does not consider or does not care about the wrath and judgment of God against sin earnestly and rightly seek the remission of sins. The Athanasian Creed is very much to the point. That if you do not hold to these things, if you do not believe in these things, if you are not one of those who seek true repentance, you cannot be saved. Your baptism is a gift. You can despise it. You can walk away from it and leave all the benefits to the roadside. It won't make that gift any less of a treasure that Christ gave to you but you will have treated it as refuse. Don't be like that. Consider again today how great a treasure God has given to you in the waters that flowed upon your head and the words which you first heard even before you knew what they meant. God has made you, many of you, to trust in him from when you were at your mother's breast. He has given to you something extraordinary that not reason or words can fully understand or comprehend. And yet we believe them in faith because God is true to his promises. And if he has desired the salvation of all people, he surely has brought in our dear children to his kingdom. We are the ones that need help in our age. The older we get, the more we think we understand. But the more we must humble ourselves and become like children and once again receive the word that God has spoken. Jesus says that he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. We hold to that. We believe that as a dear child of God, born of the water and of the word, that when we have been bitten, poisoned by sin, we need only look to Christ who is raised up for us. Only hear the words again of Christ that my sins are forgiven and that which I have done against my conscience, that which I have swayed from the path and the righteousness of God shall be fully forgiven. For there we do not hear the words of anyone but God the Father who says, I forgive you and you will live for the sake of my son. If you are restless in your conscience, if you have strayed away from your baptismal gifts, if you are no longer living in your baptism and find no peace 
then again return. Make use of the gift that God gave you in your baptism to subdue the sinful flesh. Come back to hear the words that Christ speaks to you, that you are forgiven. And that in him, that water and word which was poured upon your head was conjoined to his blood. The blood and the water that flowed from his side has now washed you and made you white as snow and cleansed you from all your iniquities. Whoever therefore believes in Christ, that his blood is their righteousness, can find there the peace which this world cannot give, the rest for their restless conscience, and the hope of everlasting life and the great inheritance of the kingdom of God. How wonderful and unsearchable are the ways of God, that even out of the mouths of babes and infants who are yet so weak, he establishes this great strength of the gospel, that though they are weak in Christ, they are strong and have salvation. Thanks be to God for this gift. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord.